Welcome to the Leverage Ladies Podcast with Linda McKissick and Shannon Dager. Each episode of this show, we will take on conversations about the biggest assets you have working for you, your team members. We will hear stories and conversations from successful business leaders, authors, and executives, and learn how they have used leverage to grow and expand to the next level. If you are looking to grow or expand your business, this is the show for you. Now, let's talk leverage. Welcome to the Leverage Ladies Podcast. This is a podcast where we have inside conversations with top experts and business owners about their journey to finding leverage, growing their organization, and achieving work-life balance. These are perspectives and stories you won't hear anywhere else. We are your hosts, Linda McKissick and Shannon Dager. We are business owners and business partners who have committed to leveraging our way to freedom so that we can achieve financial peace and have a life by design. As lifelong learners who run multiple organizations, we know that you can achieve more by focusing on building organizational support and leverage. To go along with these interviews each week, we are putting together a roadmap for you to follow as you are implementing leverage into your own business. Our speakers will be sharing documents and resources with you as well. Be sure to listen to the end to find out where you can get each week's piece of that roadmap. And we highly encourage you to stay till the end to hear these resources. So Shannon, today, I'm super excited if you'd like to introduce our guest. Yes, absolutely. Today, we are talking to Emily Marchese. Hi, Emily. We're super excited to talk to you. Hi, it's my pleasure. I know I've been wanting to talk to you for a little bit. And so thank you for making the time to talk to us today. I asked around, you know, Linda and I have our hands in the virtual leverage world and working with cyberbackers. And so I asked around about who was using leverage really well and virtual leverage and your name was on the list. Like there was a short list that was given to me and they told me that you were a really good leader and a really good resource. So I've been wanting to talk to you and hear about your business and your, all of that. So why don't we start with like maybe introduce yourself to our listeners and talk about what you do and what your organization looks like. Sure. And, you know, thanks for having me. I'm absolutely honored to be here. You know, my business really started in 2003. That's when I got out of college, made a turn into real estate, and I started kind of growing from there from an independent agent. I struggled for many years, I think mainly because I really didn't implement much leverage into my business. And so as I got into coaching and, you know, educating education and becoming more growth minded, I started with, you know, my first hire as an administrative assistant. I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes in the journey, but, you know, last year we were a small team of only eight and we did 240 units for 105 million. So we have high hopes for 2023 to you know, double our business, even though the market has significantly changed. And the way we're going to do that is really through leverage. So tell us what your team looks like. I think a lot of people that are listening don't think a team of eight is small. (laughs) So so, a lot of times it's just that single real estate agent. So I think you have a pretty good size organization. So tell us about what your organization and your team members all do and what their roles are. So, you know, it starts at the top with me and then, you know, you're first hired really like your right hand man. That That's the key. She's the backbone. Uh, without her, I'd really be nothing. I'll be honest with you. It wasn't until I really met her and we really got on this hockey stick trajectory. I mean, the right hire can do so much for your business. So she is also licensed. She does sell as well. 
but when she came on, she re- she was not licensed. So that's kind of transformed. It kind of really started in 2019, although I had build, been trying to build a team from 2015. So 2019, I'd say, is the real the time when I really started it right. And, you know, I think it just came with great coaching. But I hired her. And from there, we hired a showing assistant. From the showing assistant, we were able to do 138 units, just myself, the showing assistant, and my my right-hand man, my admin. From there, we started really partnering with agents. And, you know, I really wanted those agents to be have some form of sales experience, whether it was in real estate or not. And we started to repeat the process. As I became more focused on listings, my showing assistant turned into a lead buyer's agent, brought on another buyer's agent. And those people have since graduated to more of a listing agent. I think kind of in the business, it kind of starts on the buy side because that's what really familiarizes yourself with the market. That's what helps you become an expert. You get to meet the community and get to understand people and what's important to them and what their needs are and in the end, become more of a real estate expert. And then then you start to cross the bridge into listings, which is where the money's really made. Then you need a lot more leverage because it's a lot more work for sure. So do you have virtual team members too right now? Okay. So since then we've hired, we've had as many as four virtual assistants mm-hmm. in the past like 12 to 18 months. Right okay. now we have three. So one is a, an administrative support member who basically supports our operations team who, who are in the office here. Okay. And then one is just straight marketing. Really, she's excellent. She had a background in graphic design. So she does all of our social media. She does all of like the any any kind of lead generating type website, creating marketing materials. She's excellent. So that's her main focus. And then the third one is a telemarketer. We like to utilize her to call neighborhoods where we have buyers waiting to buy in. And, you know, we basically give her a list of areas that we're looking to grab listings in and she'll get the peak interest from, you know, the initial interest from them and then turn them over to one of our agents where we can go and turn that into a listing opportunity or potential sale. But I just recently hired someone for operations. So right now it's, it's myself, my right-hand man still, who's actually really wanting to go out into sales, which is why we brought on the operations leader and the three virtual. But I did have two telemarketers at one time, kind of in between sources now and I've made some changes the end of last year in my sales team business. So I'm looking to continue to scale and expand at this point. So Emily, I have a question just from talking to people that have virtual. You said one of your virtual does social media and the other does telemarketing. Is that correct? Yes. Those are two areas, quite honestly, that most people struggle to get virtual to do because of the language barrier. Have you been able to, well, yeah, even in doing your social ads, just the difference in the language how have you been able to make that successful? You just well, part of my criteria when we when we interviewed the cyber the virtual candidates, the big part of my criteria was that they were they could speak English very well and could write English very well. So if they didn't sound without a heavy accent or they weren't able to provide writing samples or have a good two-way dialogue conversationally, they weren't even a possible candidate for me. You use cyberbackers. So you, right? Is that correct? Okay. So then they provided you, just thinking about the weeding out process, I like to get really like down in it. Mm -hmm. You got videos of those people? 
and, and so you can hear the accent and then you did your virtual interviews. Did you ask for writing samples? I find that yes. like, I always think that tell people they should do that, but not many people do. So did you yeah, ask for writing I mean, samples? And you know, the funny thing is, is they can easily perfect a writing sample. And that tells you a lot about someone's character. If yeah. they send me a bunch of slop right out of the gate when they have so many resources with the internet to do that. That just tells me right away something about somebody's work ethic and character. So, you know, I definitely, I asked for writing sample samples up front along with that video submission. And when I watched the video, I actually didn't watch it. I like turned my head so I could only listen to it because, you know, someone could visually make it work, but when you're on a telephone, you can't see someone. So as cute as they were and as kind and, you know, nice. And even if they knew what they were talking about, you know, I needed to hear that they didn't have a heavy accent because it's just too difficult if they do. And it's just, that and I actually made that mistake in past before I got to Cyberbacker. I was with other virtual companies where I didn't know how important that was. And that was a major hurdle. So I learned my lesson there. So on your person that is wanting to move over to, that's your in-person leverage, that wants to move over to sales, which behavior do they actually have? Do they have a support behavior or do they have a sales behavior? Just, I'm just out of my own curiosity and 40 years of being in this business question. I'm just going to career vision you right now. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just, because I, I have my own theories. So I'm just curious, which one does she behaviorally match? Does she wake up and naturally match? Because when you naturally match something, you get up and your natural behavior does those activities. You don't have to modify who you are and modifying who you are massively over long periods is kind of a disaster for them and for everybody because you wind up, you know, getting sick, don't feel good, don't love what you do, all that stuff. So have you done behavioral assessments on her? Well, Just out of Yes, I have. That has significantly changed since she started with me. When she started with me, I would say, she always had great leadership qualities, but she was very support-minded, not sales-minded whatsoever. And I think it's been, we're going on four years now, and I've seen that confidence kind of grow in her. She's always been a very driven person and always like a born leader at that, but in a more of a supporting role. But the last 18 months, I've seen a change in her. And since she got licensed, which was about 18 months ago, she started putting her toes out there when we didn't have enough team members to handle the amount of incoming leads that we had. She would, you know, she's the kind of girl that'll take the ball and run with it. She literally took the ball, ran with it. And as, as she started doing a little bit of business, her confidence just grew. And now she sees a lot more unlimited potential there, but financially, but she's still very much, I would say 50-50 at this point. Yeah. So naturally she's probably more not an ideal profile for sales, but with confidence, those people can do sales, but they've got to really know what they're talking about. They got to know. So in all that time of being with you, she's learned the skills of how to do it. And now she has confidence to do it. You know what the really funny thing is, is she's actually not extremely detail oriented and she's not the ideal fit for the administrative and support operations side of it. But her work ethic and her experience and her wanting to succeed, like overweighed all of the things that she was really not up to par in. 
And uh, we got to just work because we worked so closely together for such a long period of time. I knew where her shortfalls were. So when things, you know, would happen, I had already anticipated that they were going to to go that route. And so I was there before it even got to a point where it might have affected the business. But she, you know, she really, she's a really high driver. She's a high date, very low. So she is actually more sales behavior and was just doing another job, maybe because of lack of confidence or whatever. Which also is probably why she slowly moved over and found something more interesting and made that change. She started the opposite way. Yeah. And she was really young when she got into real estate. She was, she had five years of experience with another real estate team when I met her. So what I love about this, Emily, is you could have been against that and lost a really talented person because of that. That's what some people would have done. They would have said, no, I love you in this role or whatever. And the truth is you've got to honor who, who people naturally are and where they're trying to go and figure out now, how can we make that still win on the team? Right. So I love that you did that. That was the downfall of her previous lead that didn't see that potential in her and she felt it, you know, and it was something that she kind of came in and said, I, I know I can do this, but I'm not going to do it right now. And just over time, it just naturally developed, but she loved that. I love that about her and that I was there to support her ultimately and where she wanted to be in the long run. Yeah. What a great leader. What a great leader you were to her to pour into her that way. Let me ask you this, Emily. So as you've gone through, cause I know you've done some, obviously some hiring of different sorts, some successful, some not so successful. That's how it always works. What have you learned about when it's time to hire leverage? What have you learned? Let's say what not to do. What have you done wrong in the past that maybe, you know, you're like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I definitely bringing someone on because I like them or found a, a, just a kind of went with my gut. I think there's a benchmark that needs to be hit. I've definitely skipped steps in mm-hmm. like mentioning career visioning. I've taken it twice. Uh, many of my hires, I've skipped steps just because I've genuinely liked the person. I've given chances to people that I should have never given chances to. It's just yeah. kind of my nature. But we no, hear that a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, it could, it could be yeah. your worst enemy too. And for me, it definitely was. And, you know, now, it, like we just said, going forward, if I like someone for a particular role, I'm going to put them in front of the team and let the team ultimately decide. Yeah. You know, I like that because it makes it a little bit more objective. You get all the everybody's feelings on it as well. When you bring them on and you onboard, so that's a good point. When you have them meet with the team, you know, to make that final decision, have you changed your onboarding process? Because with three okay. virtual assistants, and I'm looking at this every day, I think that's crucial to mm-hmm. the success of your of bringing on multiple people in leverage. We can get by with one person without much onboarding, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like operations, but really having systems and plans in place. Have you guys developed that? Where are you at with that? And, and you know, it, it hurts you when you bring someone on and you spend so much time with them and you see how successful they can be. Because when it comes to scaling, like that's just not a scalable thing. And I've went down that road before too, where I've wanted to spend a lot of time with someone and you just can't replicate that. There's just only so much of you to go around. And so you know, yes, we do have a bet, like we have a checklist and eventually we grew out of that checklist and then it became, okay, well, we're not going to put them into our checklist until they go through the brokerages checklist. And then the brokerages checklist 
fell short. So then I, now I'm recreating what the brokerage checklist is for them so that they can come in and then are revised. And now it's at the point where we're at 13 agents now, and we're looking at, you know, potentially hiring two to four more every month that our checklist is not up to par. So we've gone ahead and, and we've, we've leveraged, you know, the use of other platforms to help us in that. I mean, I just recently partnered with Place back in November and the whole purpose and my real reasoning for doing that was that they have a, an amazing new agent training program and they have a great experienced agent training program. And if I'm going to be bringing two to four minimally new partner agents onto my team, you know, I would need a real estate university to handle that many people. And how are you managing your culture within do you treat your virtual team? Do they come into team meetings? Are they a part of your organization? How do you run that across your agents, your admins, all that? You know, I think it always starts with the huddle every morning, the huddle call on Zoom every morning at 8.30. Everybody attend that? Everyone attends it. Okay. And the reason is, is, you know, we like to talk about, you know, particular how, who we're going to convert today how many offers we're going to make, how many appointments we're going to set for the on Mondays. We set the a goal for the week on how many appointments and how can our virtual staff help the team move forward. I've just now started with, you know, with 20 people now getting on the Zoom every morning. Now we need to break it down into two, I think two steps. I think it's just not personal enough. Right. So we're probably going to do, you know, our Zoom for our our experienced agents and one for our newer agents and our virtual staff will definitely be on there for probably both because without them, it makes just makes our job much harder because even the partner agents in their business need to implement this leverage to get where they like. I have a, I have two agents that did 50 to 75 units last year each. So it's like, if they can't get support of the virtual staff and now they need on-site showing assistance we're not going to be able to increase their production. So, you know, you have a certain metric as to when you hire an additional like support staff member. Are you doing like a certain number of deals? Is it like how many agents we have on the team? Cause so, my experience yeah. is like typically like five to one, but then also we have to figure in agent deals. What is, how do you look at that? Right. So two of my agents right now are need showing assistance, full-time mm-hmm. assistance, and they also need part-time admins. So right now, I mean, I'm basically hiring to what we need. Normally, I would look at where we want to go and hire from there, but because the market shifted, I'm being a little more conservative right now. But in past, I've hired to where I want it to hit those goals and what would be needed at that level. Like we have big goals for this year to, you know, 435 units from 240 is almost practically doubling, you know? So we definitely need as much leverage as we can get. And, you know, virtual leverage is perfect for that. I mean, it, it can be challenging at times, but it is, it is probably the most cost-effective way to leverage. Are they each doing, so I think what you were saying is like your virtual leverage is doing very siphoned responsibilities, right? So they're not spread they're just doing one particular focus. So one social media person versus having an admin that does general tasks for everybody. Is that right? Correct. The social media okay. person does, it's really a marketing manager is what I call her. You know, okay. she's responsible to, you know, make every post on every social media site, you know, linked, even down to LinkedIn recruiting. We're doing some new construction, the floor plans, like the 3D renderings, editing pictures, 
I mean, anything marketing related. The only thing that she hasn't really mastered is the tracking the ROI for the lead generation spends that she's doing on social media, which That's is a hard one. It's just a hard one. Yeah. yeah, it's just hard to measure it in general. But, you know, I think that kind of comes with you know, when the calls come in, like, how, how did you hear about us? You know, so we started, put, we're putting things in place as we go, but we're definitely like, I'm foreseeing that we're going to need some more virtual leverage in converting the leads in our database right now. We have probably about 4,000 leads right now that we can't get to. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Just, that's just lost money sitting there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. So how do you determine when you hire the next person? Is it, so if we have your, your marketing manager and they're doing all of this for what has grown into a tough team, do you just take their feedback or is there a certain way that you'll determine, say she needs another person to report to her or? I mean, I feel like, you know, the best way to go about it is to turn your team into leaders and hire them the leverage. So it becomes like almost like a pyramid Mm-hmm. You know, if our marketing cyberbacker says, you know what, I just can't do anymore. And we ask them, can you do more? And like, she's saying I could do more. Like they're very mm-hmm. invested in our success and, and hitting the goals. And I said, okay, if she got to the point where she's like, I can't do anymore. I'm stretched really thin. I think the first thing I would do is look to hire her an assistant, somebody that she can delegate the things that are wasting her time or not they're not cost effective for her to be handling. What is their tenure with you? Cause I can hear, I hear so much loyalty from you and oh, I love that. So how, how long have they been with you? So my marketing was my first cyberbacker that I hired and she mm-hmm. has been with us for 18 months. Okay. Okay. Which awesome. is the longest virtual leverage person that I've had since 2015. I've had some six months, nine months. That's a pretty good tenure for any type of an administrative position, truthfully. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think because we can hear that and be like, oh, we don't, that's administrative positions, especially more entry level turnover at a higher rate. Mm -hmm. And that's just because they're either going to grow, right? They're going to grow up, they're going to grow out one or the other. And so the tenure tends to be shorter than what we would see as like you in an executive role and somebody who's the CEO. Yeah. And you know, that was something I looked for when I was looking to for a new virtual company to go to. Mm-hmm. And what intrigued me about using Cyberbacker was that they have a growth plan for their Cyberbackers mm-hmm. and that they grow from within and they have leaders and they have profit share. And that was something that all the virtual companies that I had used prior to, they had no real opportunity for them. So if there's no opportunity, no matter what you can do, they're going to leave you. 100%. Agree. Emily, what do you think was the biggest difference between your 2015, what was going on and you trying to do this in 2019? What was there a shift or was there, what was the biggest difference? Because you seemed to hit it at 2019 and take off. And 2015, I started a team because I had more business than I could handle. And I thought, let me take the creme de la creme and give all the non-creme de la creme. I was going to say <laughs> I don't know if that's loud on here, but (laughs) I was going to, you know, give that to someone else. And if I could get a piece, that'd be great. That was my mentality in how teams started. And I had read the MREA at that point. 
I think it was just words to me. It was not something that I really internalized. And then in 2016, when I got into coaching, that's when I really started to look at things a lot differently. And then it became, okay, let me not give somebody my leftovers. Let me serve them and help them hit their goals. And when they hit their goals, I'm going to hit my goals. So it was really a mindset thing. I think, I think, and I think it was a leadership thing. I think, you know, I've definitely made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I think that, you know, through coaching, I've been, I've been able to blossom in that, in that aspect. But yeah, I mean, and even then I did it, you know, I made the wrong hires, you know, I, I hired people that, you know, I just generally liked and there was nothing substantial. Like we weren't on the same page. We didn't share the same vision and we, you know, weren't growth minded. It, It just didn't work. And I think for making a lot of mistakes is how I got to where I am right now and where I'm going. Awesome. Awesome. Shana, any final questions? No, I think it's been a really interesting conversation and hearing such great things about you and then listening to you describe what you've built. It's pretty impressive and really interesting to hear about. Tell us, Emily, a little bit about like if our listeners are listening and want to talk to you about your growth, about your business Mm -hmm. and what you serve, how can they reach you? What would you like for them to know? Sure. I mean, they can go on our website at marcheseteam.com forward slash careers. They can make an initial application through there and somebody will reach out to them within 24 hours. I mean, we're looking to grow and scale. I'm originally from Philadelphia. I service the Jersey Shore predominantly for the last 20 years. Since then, we've expanded through the rest of South Jersey and into Philly and surrounding suburbs. Our ultimate goal is to get to Florida because that's where this area winds up going and we want to service the client for life and just impact as many lives as we can by building wealth through real estate. So if that's what you're looking to do, like give us a call or go on our website, find us, Google us and and come on in and let's talk. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much for giving us the time today. I know that I really enjoyed speaking with you and it was great to hear how you've grown and, and get to meet you in person as well. Thank you. So, I'm, honored. I'm honored to be in both your presence and good luck with the new podcast. And thank you for having me. All right. Thanks so much, Emily. I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for listening and we'll put a new piece of the roadmap on leverageladies.com. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget to visit our website and download this week's piece of your leverage roadmap at leverageladies.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to and share this Leverage Ladies podcast with others. We would love to have you follow us on social media as well. Check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and be sure to follow us for ongoing tips, updates, and information. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is to leave a five-star review so that others are able to find the Leverage Ladies podcast. And again, thanks for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Leverage Ladies podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we hope to catch you again in the next episode of the Leverage Ladies podcast. We'll see you then.